I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Human Ordinary Podcast. Stories about our culture, our relationships, and all the things that make us human. Today on the show, this is part two of An Extraordinary Thing. This is my series on how meat gets to your plate and why we eat it. What I did for today's story is I sat down with four of my friends and I just chatted to them about what they eat and why they eat it. I know that four isn't much of a sample size, but at least you're hearing from other people other than just me. Please meet Rosie. Hi, I'm, I'm Rosie. And Matt. My name's Matthew Whitmore. They're both meat eaters. And Nicole. My name's Nicole Roger. And Kent. Kent Sutherland. Are both vegetarians. I should say right up front that Nicole and Matt, they're a couple. And I thought it'd be interesting to interview them, seeing as one of them's a vegetarian and the other's a meat eater. The stat deck that I think my dad wrote to when Matt needed a visa to get to come here as my de facto spouse. He was like, it must have been love because Nicole's a vegetarian and Matt's a meat eater, you know? It's a bummer that nobody cooks me a, a Sunday roast or a, a nice meat dish, but I'm well used to that by now. And there's also, there's a lot of pity for Matt in my family, like kind of joke pity, you know? So whenever we go to my parents, Matt always gets the largest helping of meat and he always gets to take stuff home. And it's like, oh, poor Matt. Nicole doesn't cook him meat. And I have to use different saucepans. Or Nick hasn't quite got the concept that if you wash things, they're clean. Um, so, yeah, just, just, just uh, it's things I've gotten used to. It, it's obviously it wasn't a deal breaker. I think I arranged one, didn't I, uh, when we first met a vegan restaurant in Hammersmith in London, which took us forever to find, and it was awful. It was <laughs> awful. I guess it's heartening to know that vegetarians and carnivores can actually be friends. Reminds me of this sketch comedy show that I did with a bunch of friends for the Fringe Festival years ago. In one of the skits, we had this hard nut torturer guy named Sergeant Snag. And then there was me, Frank Furter, his hunched over assistant. We brought out one of the cast members who played or actually was a vegetarian. And then we started to like torture her by pelting her with meat goods, calling her vegetarian scum. I guess you had to be there. But it kind of highlights our thinking about the whole thing. That is, being vegetarian was the thing that could potentially get you tortured. That was the deviant act. I guess I, I like the taste of meat. Because it's delicious. Eating meat almost seems to be the default position. It's what's expected of us, and so people haven't often thought about their reasons or even considered that's an actual choice that they're making. It's just what we do. And we often seem to justify it after the fact. I'm not a great cook, so I cook basic things, and that is a very easy way to get the nutritional value. If you're going to eat properly as a vegetarian or a vegan, you have to be very, very, very switched on and, and put in a lot of effort to kind of eat the same amounts of protein and things like that. I also, I've had health issues that have meant at that point in time there was absolutely no way I could have come off meat because <laughs> even as a meat eater they thought I wasn't. 
growing up, it wouldn't have been something I would have even thought of, to be honest. So I guess I've grown up in a household eating meat. So I ate meat. These animals are, are bred for that purpose. If they weren't bred, they probably wouldn't exist. I guess it's still not a nice life being killed at the, in a finite length of your life and you're going to be killed at the end of it. But at least I guess they live. The two vegetarians I spoke to, on the other hand, they seem to have more considered reasons for eating what they do. And the reason why I became a vegetarian is actually more environmental than kind of animal. I went to Monash University and we were lucky to have a student vegetarian restaurant there called Whole Foods. And I probably learnt more in Whole Foods than I did throughout my whole university degree. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I just did some reading and thinking and talking. And in terms of the environmental impact for me, it was just always about how inefficient it is to farm meat. So it takes a lot of water, it takes a lot of grain, it takes a lot of land. And a plant-based diet is healthy and that's a path that I went down. It would go back to about the first time that I actually took ecstasy and this was back in the 90s and uh, we ended up... Kent was with a friend and then they went back to his friend's girlfriend's uh, place. They quickly disappeared into a bedroom and Kent was left by himself where he watched the movie Baraka. It sort of glances over different scenes in the lives of different people and uh, different worlds. One of those particular scenes happened to be a lady in a factory, it seemed like uh, somewhere in Asia, and this particular woman was in front of a conveyor belt of small chickens and it, it appeared to me she was heat sealing their beaks and I was watching the the terror that it instilled in the small chicks and uh, I, I suppose in my uplifted haze it, it instilled in me this feeling that I needed to take this experience with me into the rest of my life rather than just feeling bad in that particular moment. For Nicole and Kent though it's not just all broccoli and mung beans. Just to clarify, I wouldn't consider myself a vegetarian. I mean, what they would call a pescatarian. So in terms of fish, yeah, I eat it. So I think that technically makes me a pescatarian. I don't actually eat uh, chicken or meat. However, I do eat fish and seafood. Because I travel a lot for work in quite remote places and, you know, nobody's a vegetarian in the back blocks of Laos or Vietnam or anywhere. And then I went to Africa and I lived in Mozambique for three months um, and and the people that I met there just thought I was, they were like, you don't eat meat? You know, like, why? And I just felt like a privileged Western wanker, which I was, you know, who had a choice about whether or not I wanted to eat meat. I guess, you know, the way that meat is in the Western world when it's just, it's in a supermarket, it's in plastic. I'm sure a lot of children just think that's where meat comes from, the supermarket. It's really easy to eat meat because I can go to the supermarket and buy it in a, in a package that doesn't look like an animal. I don't think I could eat a full bird on a plate. I don't like when you've got the fish's head on there. Prawns, I've taught myself to eat. But it still kind of freaks me out a little. <laughs> India's great because, you know, it's very easy to be a vegetarian in India. You've got a, a culture that uh, respects livestock. What we see is essentially something that, that's just between us and the supermarket shelf. I wondered about the ethical grey areas my pescatarian friends seem to be operating in whether their dietary choices contradicted any other beliefs or principles that they had. From an ethical perspective, it's, it's, 
it's quite conflicted um, because I think, yeah, there's problems with overfishing and there's problems with, you know, fish farms and all sorts of things. I guess the theory grew that if I was going to eat something, then I should feel comfortable killing it at least once in my life rather than just picking it off a supermarket shelf and not really thinking about where it came from or any of the distress that may have been involved in that. What Ken said really made sense to me. And even my carnivore friends had principles around what animals they would and wouldn't eat. Whales, dolphins, uh, that sort of stuff I wouldn't. Whether it's true or not, I guess I've been brought up with the idea that they're slightly more intelligent than, than the average animal. And I guess size when it comes to whales is also it's strange, isn't it? Sometimes you think, like, is, he, is, it, is it less of a thing to kill a smaller animal than it is a bigger animal? Does it count for more? It's still alive, isn't it? So I don't know. So part of that might be a bit skewed, mixed up. You know, whales are very big. What a shame to kill something that big. And Rosie won't eat goat. Had we grown up with goats, might have thought, might think about it differently. Had I grown up eating goat, I definitely would have thought about it differently. Because the things that I grew up eating all the time, I don't, I will continue to eat. You've kind of accepted that, that that's acceptable. I have tried things in different cultures because I don't, want to be offensive or because I think everyone else is getting this or getting that and I'll try some but there's certain things you know in Japan and they all tried horse sashimi and I'm like I don't want I don't want to eat horses you know and this seems to be at the heart of everything that we're talking about it's just what we're brought up in it's what we're used to I grew up on a sheep farm watching participating in the murder of sheep for our nutrition uh, and survival it simply comes down to, to how we were raised and what our parents told us. If we uh, had a meal of dog for our second birthday dinner, then uh, I'd say by the time we were 16 or 17 or even earlier, then that would be a fairly standard sort of thing. I've eaten things like... I mean, I've, I've tried dog, for example, um, foal. In countries where that is perfectly normal to eat eat these things we would move the sheep from paddock to paddock a couple of times a year and we would you know help out with shearing and uh marking of the lambs which is where they take the testicles off the males and they cut the, the tails off and so dad used a knife to do that some farmers will use rubber rings some used to use their teeth back in the day but uh <laughs> that wasn't our farm the, the tails thing is largely to stop them from getting fly-blown because that's a way nastier thing to happen to you than to have your tail lopped off. You know, being eaten from the inside out by maggots is not really a nice way to go. When Dad would then kill one, Dad would take a sheep and then take it into the killing shed and then slit its throat and hang it up and then he would cut it open and we would pull the guts out and pull the kidneys out that was that was the fun part that was our job was you know removing the offal and it was just very normal as was living on a farm and being two kilometers from your neighbors whereas you know to that that's bizarre to some people that have grown up in the city so my dad i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I used to go hunting and I used to go with him. Um, not to shoot because I was too young. Um, so I've been around animals being killed for food. And it was part of, we lived in the country and it was just part of that, that sort of lifestyle I guess I'm not like I can remember but I'm sure I would have felt probably not too happy about it to start with there is a total cognitive dissonance with that where I strongly don't believe in the mistreatment of animals um, so yes but there is Daniel Kitson made some comment about it being a door in his brain that he can't like he can't open it and then ethically stay as a meat eater <laughs> So I'm a bit the same. I'm very aware that it goes against the way I feel about animals. It goes away. It goes against, you know, there's mistreatment going on. However, I did grow up on a sheep farm. That's what I'm really interested in exploring. It's this inherent hypocrisy and contradiction that I think that we all have in some way. I don't want it to seem that it's an insult because I actually think that every human alive has something that they're hypocritical about. Whether it's knowing the health impacts of taking drugs or drinking, but you do it anyway because it's fun, or knowing that it's bad for the environment to drive to the supermarket rather than walking or riding your bike, but you do it anyway because you're lazy. Or whether it's knowing that animals will die or be treated really badly just so that you're going to eat a nice meal, but you have your foie gras anyway because it's really tasty. We all seem to be hypocrites in some way. And most of the time, it seems to be where our values conflict with our hedonistic desires. <laughs> My cousin, um, he emailed me at one point and he's like, oh, I've become a vegetarian, Nicole. It's because Moby's a vegetarian. And then it lasted about a week. He's like, oh, vegetarian pizzas are crap. So that was the end of vegetarianism. <laughs> what is that? What's that? The one that came out a few months ago was the carcinogens in smoked meats and yeah. processed meats, which made me think again, oh, I need to cut down on... I get bacon, I get smoked bacon, I'll just get you know, plain bacon that hasn't been tampered with, so to speak. But that soon passes and you're back to doing stuff, aren't you? It's, you almost need to be bashed in the face with some of these things every week just to make you change your, your habits slightly. That thing of I know that I could probably not eat meat or eat far less than I do, but I don't. There's a part of me that doesn't want to because I because I'm lazy or because it's too hard, you know, those those reasons come back in. And it's totally shit and it's not really okay, but it's there. <laughs> I'm a shit human being, but at least I don't slaughter dolphins. <laughs> there are issues in the dairy industry for sure, um, but I do drink cow's milk and I do have yogurt. So it's a choice about what I what I know and what I choose to do you know I, I guess I like to think that I can make changes live a life that has less is less of an impact as possible you know it's really easy to disconnect it's it's the recycling thing all over again you put your things in a bin and you send it off and you're like I'm a good person because I recycled my milk carton you have no idea if that's going to straight into landfill 
but you don't have to think about it because you've done your bit. And it is, it's, it's, we're great at that. <laughs> we're really good at feeling good about doing bugger all, essentially. <laughs> That's just simply the human condition. I mean, uh, not everyone is um, inclined to take things on board and, and change fundamental parts of their life based on education. But I think it's also extremely important not to push your beliefs on other people. There is someone that I work with who has recently become vegan and she goes home and she watches pictures of animals being tortured on... She watches videos of animals being tortured on YouTube and she gets so upset. And I'm like, well, don't do it then. William Burroughs always talks about... uh, johnsons and shits and they're the two types of people in this world and a johnson is it is the type of person who does their thing but minds their own business and those that are mind their own business but they'll always lend a helping hand to somebody if they're in need uh, and shits are just those people who can't help but put their two cents in the whole time and it was a picture of someone holding a sheep that looked like it had been cut to shit. Now, it was probably just Photoshop in this day and age, but Peter have been known to harm animals in order to further their campaigns. So these people that are all animal rights aren't necessarily very realistic about caring for animals. And that does make me rebel against that and kind of piss me off. I think it's a human nature thing. I think we're, we're designed not to get wound up by stuff like that because you wouldn't function humans seem to have a very short-term attention span about and what they have to do in life you'd like to think you wasn't a short-term view kind of person but we all are because we don't change i think this is important to be honest you know if it is a part of human nature to be hypocritical to act against our better values to be mired in cognitive dissonance then maybe it's all right but we just need to acknowledge it. we just got to recognise them as human qualities. Humane slaughter, I, and I, I think it is a bit of an oxymoron. Like I think I'm sure there are ways that can be done that are more humane, where animals feel less pain, it's quick, and, but it doesn't necessarily make it better or right. There was a restaurant in the city that years ago had on the, when they first opened, had on their menus, our animals were raised free range. <laughs> I oh no, found this hilarious. It was something... Along the lines of our animals arranged for range and they have a really happy life until the day they're killed. <laughs> Regardless of whether you're uh, putting a bolt through the head of the animal or you're strangling it to death very slowly and cruelly, I think the ultimate thing is you do need to understand you are killing that animal. If more people, actually like you did, you know, if more people went and saw a cow or a pig slaughtered, then maybe they would stop eating meat or reduce their meat consumption, having seen that. So, you know, so it's possibly also a way that we'd have less meat eaters in the world if they actually saw the process and understood the process. Yeah, I think you should be prepared if, if you do eat meat. Yeah, you shouldn't just throw your hands in the air and go, ugh. Yeah, you need to take a responsibility to a degree, I guess. If you actually see what the process is, maybe people would eat more vegetarian meals sometimes or, you know, maybe eat less meat. At the very least, should have a think about things, you know, should be at least questioning a, a few fundamental things. Mm-hmm.
I know I'm probably sounding a little bit pious and I'm on my soapbox, and I guess I don't mean to be. But I feel that I've taken responsibility for the food that I eat. I've watched .com being killed. I'm all right with it. I've killed turkeys before, and I'm all right with that. I've killed fish and other sea animals before, and I'm all right with that. And when I was traveling, me and this Italian guy paid 50 bucks to have a pig slaughtered, and we watched it bleed into the Mekong River. And I'm all right with that. So I've taken responsibility for the meat that I eat, and I'll continue to take responsibility. And if there comes a time when suddenly it seems like it's too much to stomach, and I can't bear the idea that a cow is being killed just so I can have the burger, then I won't eat the burger. Right, now that I've just lectured all seven of my listeners and put you all right off, let me say that there's a couple of things that were said in this episode that are still kind of niggling at me. The first is something that Matt said. The carcinogens in smoked meats and yeah. processed meats, and that's another big one, isn't it? So I've never really considered the health implications of eating meat and my diet, and I think that that's something that I should look into. See, morally and ethically, I think I'm fine with what I eat. But what if I'm actually slowly killing myself? The other thing that's niggling at me is about the environmental impacts of the meat industry. It's something Nicole said. You know, it takes a lot of water, it takes a lot of grain, it takes a lot of land. See, I'm not a massive greenie. I guess I'm kind of a greenie, but I'm not a massive greenie. But I do think I care a bit, at least enough to explore the impact that my diet is having on the planet. I mean, I don't want to knowingly participate in the avoidable destruction of my home, do I? Do I? In the next episode in this series... Whenever people are living off a whole food-based diet that's closer to how foods are found in, in nature or you know, direct from the farm or direct from the wild, they tend to be a lot healthier than population groups who are very settled, um, living a more sedentary lifestyle and eating more processed food. Unless we address the foundation of the problem, which is the normalisation of suffering that enables us to put certain products in our bodies and live off the suffering of others, we're going to continue to perpetuate suffering in the world. We're going to continue to say, well, you can live and you can die and you're a woman so I'll exploit you and you're a man so I can kill you and you're a, you're a dog so I can love you and you're a cow so I can kill you. I want to thank my interviewees, my friends, for participating in this episode. Now, Nicole Roger, Rosie Joyce, Kent Sutherland and Matthew Whitmore. The Human Ordinary Podcast is produced by me, Sam Loy, in Melbourne, Australia. You can head over to the website, humanordinary.com, for more info and pictures on the stories. The theme music for the podcast is performed by The Contortionist Handbook, and all other original music is by Kent Sutherland. That's right, the same Kent that I interviewed. If you did like the podcast, it'd be a real help if you could leave a review or a rating on iTunes. But really, it's just awesome that you listen. So thanks for that. I'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.